Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. All right, this week on Live in the Bream, we have somebody that you will be very familiar with. Uh, she has been seen all over the world from the podium of the White House as a former White House press secretary. She is now a co-worker, along with being a friend, co-host of Outnumbered, and the author of the brand new book for such a time as this, My Faith Journey Through the White House and Beyond, Kaylee McEnany. Welcome. Hey, Shannon. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to join your podcast. Okay. The first question that you always get when you have a new book out is, why did you write it? What's the motivation? What do you hope people will get from this? Well, you know, for me, obviously, you know, any person going through the White House or a campaign or the political world, the media world, really in any job, um, not just the fields I've been in, uh, there are challenges. And part of this was me wanting to document being a part of history. I mean, last year was such an aberrational year with the COVID-19 pandemic um, and some of the rioting that we saw and all of the major flashpoint news events. So, you know, I obviously wanted to document this portion of history and how I saw it through my eyes. But even more importantly than that uh, was just how faith got me through how, you know, the hardest times one time before I took the podium, it was Christ that was my sustenance, my strength, um, the reason I had such serenity at the podium. And yes, of course, was partly human preparation and studying and putting a lot of work in. But more than that, uh, relying on my savior that got me through the really difficult days that um, any White House press secretary will have in, in an administration. Mm -hmm. And for people who want some inside scoop, this book is full of super interesting nuggets about you, about the White House, about the president, about how everything works, the campaign trail and um, a really behind the curtain look, which I think people always enjoy seeing um, whether they're a fan of you and your administration that you're a part of or not. I think they will learn new things um, and just really get some interesting inside scoop. And you do have such a focus in the book on your faith. And um, you make such a good point that we can all prepare and do what we can. Um, but that only takes us so far. There, there has to be a point where um, there is some room for divine intervention and some help. And you talk about the very first time you took the podium uh, as White House press secretary, how you ended up on your knees in the bathroom praying uh, after hours and, and days of prep for this. Um, tell us what difference that, uh, you, and you've alluded to this, that faith makes in your life. Yeah, it was paramount. And that's a, a great example um, of how it played into my life. You know, I had done everything that, you know, I think I needed to do before I took to the podium. I spent years studying, you know, at Harvard, at Oxford, at Georgetown, and just really had a research-oriented background and was very meticulous and methodical um, in the way I approached the briefing. And I had certainly put all the work in I needed to do, but nevertheless, you know, I, I'm about to go to the podium the next day and I started to become fearful. You know, I then that's when I relied on my faith. I tweeted out Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, words that the vice president, Mike Pence, said back to me, and he motioned towards me with praying hands, uh, said he had been praying for me before I took the podium. Um, you know, I listened to Christian music on the way to work. The morning of my first briefing, I listened to a Joyce Meyer sermon about faith over fear. But even so, even though I did everything right, um, I, I was still very nervous. Um, and 
got a lot of incoming text messages from former press secretaries, from Christians across the country, one of whom was Sarah Sanders. And she sent me a long list of advice. And her most salient piece of advice was most importantly, pray. Um, and she sent me a picture of her Jesus calling devotional um, from exactly two years prior to my first briefing. And she said she always read her Jesus calling before going to the podium. I continued that tradition and my team also started a tradition of our own and that was praying. Um, but she said, don't worry, you know, pray. But nevertheless, I worried. I was actually in tears when I was <laughs> supposed to be at the podium. And my assistant, Lindy, came in frantically. you got to stop crying. You have to go to the podium. So she put my parents on speakerphone and we prayed together. And I prayed in the private West Wing bathroom. And then I went to the podium and uh, you would have never known when I had been in my office crying because the serenity that I found um, came from something so much bigger than me. And it was Christians across the country praying for me and for the administration. And when I say we could felt we could feel those prayers, um, we truly could feel those prayers each and every day. And because you've been so upfront about your faith always and part of your journey and, and who you are, there have been plenty of uh, critics, um, you know, as uh, being part of the Trump administration, there was no shortage of that at any time for you. But one of the things you know, I wonder how it impacts you is that people will say, okay, you're a person of faith. You talk about God and about Christ and about what it means in your life. Um, but they will then point to the president and say, um, he was untruthful. There were constant fact checks that, you know, the, the, um, you know, Washington post and all of these other factor fiction people were constantly saying that he was lying and that you were part of that, that you were spreading misinformation and lying to the press and to others as well. So how do you square that with people say, you know, people who ask, you're a person, obviously, of deep faith, um, but the critics will say you were part of an administration that didn't always live up to that. You know, I promised in my first briefing to always share the truth with the American people from the podium, and I did that each and every day. Um, and as a press secretary, you know, your job is to go around and collect information um, and discern from sometimes varying accounts of what happened in a meeting that you weren't even in, uh, what the truth of the matter is, what was uh, sound enough, footnoted enough, sourced enough to say confidently. And I think I did a very good job of that with my team. Um, no one's perfect, of course. You know, the president, I didn't agree with every single thing he ever tweeted. We have very different styles, you may say. Um, but, you know, I didn't agree with everything he ever said or tweeted. But I can tell you, he was a great man, an amazing boss, um, a leader who I look up to, who I think did so much good for this country. It was an honor to work for President Trump. I'm, I'm so proud of what the administration did. And certainly there will be critics. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm a woman of great faith and character. I'm so proud of, of what I brought to the podium. And the rest is just noise. And, you know, when I see the attackers on Twitter, I, I try to keep in mind what Ravi Zacharias um, said. And behind every question, there's a questioner. Behind every critic, there's a person. And uh, they bring to the table all their hurts and imperfections in life. And so I just look at the criticism as noise um, and can be very proud of, I, I think, what we did in the administration and certainly in the, the final year when I was there. Yeah. I mean, we are all flawed and thankfully um, saved by grace. I need it every day. And I think it's good to remind us the people around us need it as well. Um, and we have our own accountability before God. He knows our hearts um, and he knows our motives and everything else. And um, I'm just thankful for forgiveness. I need it every day and for grace and for mercy. Yeah. Uh, I know you come from that same place. Now, somebody else who's got a book out, I've got to ask you about Mark Meadows, um, Chief uh, White House Chief of Staff. Um, it's made a lot of headlines lately. So I wanted to ask you and get your response. Um, he says that the president tested positive for COVID before before his shortly before his uh, debate with um, 
now President Biden. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth on that, that there was a subsequent negative test. There were questions about, uh, you know, which test was legit. And, and obviously within days, he was very ill and being treated for COVID. What can you tell us about what you knew about that? Well, I think that's a great example of what I was describing in theory playing out in practice. You know, I mentioned in theory, you know, I, as a press secretary, I'd call up Alex Azar and Brett Joie and sometimes Dr. Fauci would be in my office and I'd hear differing accounts and have to decide, okay, uh, what is the truth of this matter? And that's a great example. I think um, in Mark Meadows book, he obviously says that the president tested positive um, earlier in late September, I believe is the date. Um, President Trump says that never happened. So two different accounts. Um, I can say with confidence what I know, which is I had no awareness of a positive test until October 1st. Um, It was at night, I was at home with my daughter, my mom, my sister, um, and one of my colleagues, Chad Gilmartin, who's also a family member. And I got a call from the chief of staff's office on October 1st. The president was on air live on Hannity. And I got a call saying that the president had tested positive for COVID-19. Anyone in my family can attest to the fact that I was absolutely flabbergasted, um, scared. It was one of the scariest times in the White House to hear President Trump had tested positive. It came shortly after news broke that Hope Hicks had tested positive. Um, And I was told he was getting a second confirmatory test. And in the meantime, I started crafting a tweet about the president's positive diagnosis, should that second test come back positive. And indeed it did. And it was October 2nd in the early morning wee hours that he announced to the world he was positive for COVID-19. But prior to October 1st, um, no one had told me he had ever tested positive. So uh, that was between Dr. Conley, the chief of staff's office and President Trump. And, uh, you know, who knows? There are two accounts now. And, um, you know, I, I maybe we'll find out more information. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What was it like to be in the position that you held? Listen, it would be stressful any time in history, but to be there as um, a worldwide pandemic that we're still struggling with uh, was unfolding. There was so much unknown. People were anxious. They were isolated. They were frightened. Um, there was a lot of unrest over um, the George Floyd killing and and many other things that upended our country in, in a lot of ways. Um, the job you were doing is always going to be a tough one, but in the midst of that, Um, What was the mood for you for the White House? Yeah, it was a challenge every day. I mean, I I took the job in the middle of a nationwide lockdown and uh, it was a I took that task and this job with with great um, responsibility on my shoulders, knowing, you know, I would be communicating with the American people during a a global pandemic um, and not knowing that beyond COVID-19, there was, of course, the killing of the murder of George Floyd on the horizon. No one knew that was coming and the unrest thereafter. Um, It was surreal. 
Um, I, I tried from the podium as best I could to bring unity and healing. Um, a great example of that was the night after St. John's church burned. Um, I, I was sitting in a hotel room. I wasn't able to go back to my apartment because there was some violent interactions outside my door. So I had to stay outside of the city. Um, and I saw from Kevin Cork, I, I think it was a tweet I saw that St. John's church had been lit ablaze. And St. John's church is church of the presidents across from the White House. I passed it every day on my way to work. You know, every president going back to James Madison has attended a service there and to see this church burning um, and then to go into the city and see ACAB uh, spray painted on monuments on the veteran affairs sign all cops are and I won't say the word um, it was divisive and you know I tried to use the podium um, the next day to to help heal the country and heal the divisions and I talked about the significance of St. John's Church uh, and how St. John's Church kept its doors open during the March on Washington they were told it was going to be a bloodbath but the rector said we will keep these doors open so all who want to can come worship here. And of course, that was the famous, um, I have a dream speech from Dr. Martin Luther King in a peaceful protest indeed. Um, so the the irony was not lost upon me that this church who stood so boldly um, in, in healing the country was then lit on fire. Um, another example was just at the podium. You know, it, it was very uh, troubling to me that reporters never really asked about certain victims like children who were dying of crime in the streets, like David Dorn, a police officer who died in the riots. So what I did and my team did is we put up an in-memoriam graphic for George Floyd because his life matters and he was murdered. And we also put up an in-memoriam graphic for David Dorn, who was also murdered, whose life also mattered. So trying to bring attention to victims who are off, all too often overlooked and in, in portions of the media uh, was, I think, one of the biggest tasks I had and something that I believe we succeeded at. Listen, you're like me. I'm not a practicing lawyer anymore. We're doing very different things than most people who go to law school. Um, and I think it's, you know, to read your story and to see all the twists and turns. I mean, you never could have imagined as a little girl in Plant City, uh, Florida, probably that you would have ended up in the places that you did. And that kind of gets back to the the theme of your book for such a time as this. I mean, God crafts our paths and our plans. Um, what would you say to young women out there who are, and young men too, who are kind of searching? They know that they um, have kind of a fire burning inside of them. They don't know where they're going to go. Sometimes doors slam in your face. Um, but if you have faith, um, being able to trust God with him mapping out every day, Yes, exactly. And if you have the the fire in your heart and the passion and the desire and the work ethic, um, it, it all comes together. And I think when I look back on my path in life, um, sometimes you mentioned those closed doors. There were closed doors. There were frustrating times. Um, but each of those closed doors was pushing me down a different pathway that ultimately led me to a place I felt I was supposed to be, um, which was at the White House podium. And, and that's why this entire book, it's based off of Esther 414. Um, and of course, that, that famous phrase at the end of that verse for such a time as this. And, you know, I use this because Queen Esther was put in a certain time and a certain place in history for a purpose and a reason. Um, and in the Bible, she saves the Jewish people because she stands up to the king. And when I made this the title of my book, I'm in, I'm in no way saying that I've done anything quite as significant or consequential as Queen Esther. But what I am saying is just as she was put in this place, so too was I. And every door that closed led to a different one opening that led me to a place that I certainly could not have foreseen more than a decade earlier when I was watching Dana Perino give a press briefing mm -hmm. as an intern in the Bush administration. I never thought I would be there, you know, 10 years later, just beyond 10 years later. So, you know, I say all that to say for such a time as this is a phrase not just meant for me. Um, it's a phrase my dad said to me when I was nervous about taking the job. And it's also a phrase that a CNN 
Cleveland commentator Van Jones, who's not the same side of the political aisle as me, but he separately sent that same phrase to me. So I, I know I was meant to hear that verse, Esther 4.14, and I think it applies to all of us. So if you have that passion, um, that heart, just trust Christ. If a door's closing, there's a reason. Maybe it has something much bigger in mind. Yeah. You and I were joking before we got started um, about the fact that I got fired from my first TV job. And that was crushing from a guy who told me that I would never make it. Um, And there might've been a a few tears over that, but as you talk about in your book, there were doors that were closed, as you just said. And um, we, you know, you can have faith uh, that God is, and thank goodness, someone much bigger than us is in charge of the whole thing is directing and guiding our paths. Um, I want to ask you too, because obviously you talk a lot in the, in the book about the treatment of, of a Republican, Republican administration versus a Democratic administration. Um, it feels like these days there are some people asking tough questions of the Biden administration um, as inflation soars, as COVID's not under control, as the border's not under control. Um, it seems like there are those in the mainstream media who are starting to push a little bit and ask questions about, um, as poll numbers get worse and worse for this administration, about um, just how the administration is making decisions, who's in charge. Um, why certain things seem to be um, not improving, but devolving. Of course, Afghanistan was incredibly heartbreaking, um, you know, for Americans to watch as our uh, young men and women um, lost their lives. And, And it seems like that was sort of a breaking point that the honeymoon was fully over for this administration. Do you feel like this administration is getting some fair, tough questioning from the mainstream press? I do think it's certainly uh, gotten tougher, the line of questioning. Um, it used to just be Peter Ducey who would ask a tough question, um, but now it's it's more than just Peter. It, it's um, other outlets as well. But what I would say is this. I, I think now they're starting to ask tough questions, um, which is good, but they're not disrespectful questions, which is also good. For instance, and, and there's no running with narratives that are just blatantly false. Um, in the aftermath of the Trump administration, uh, there's been a lot of, of narratives that I used to stand at the podium and say, this just simply isn't true. Lafayette Square, the story that the president instructed people to gas and pummel protesters so he could hold a Bible out of church. You know, we said day in, day out, that did not happen. That was not the reason uh, that that the park was cleared. And now an inspector general has confirmed everything that we were saying. Uh, Same thing about bounties on the heads of soldiers in Afghanistan. There was that report that Russia had bounties on the heads of U.S. soldiers and President Trump did nothing about it. And now Biden's own intel community has essentially uh, proven that story false. So my point in sharing those two accounts, and there are many others, is that the false narratives the press used to run with for Trump, they don't do that in the same way with President Biden. I think that's a good thing. I think the tough but respectful questioning is is the way it should be. Um, and I do think that we're getting a little more accountability, um, but, but not overboard in the way uh, that was done with President Trump. Yeah, there are many examples out there. And I think time... Um, is on the side of the truth uh, as investigations continue. And um, we get a lot more information about things that were presented one way. And we actually see some of these mainstream media outlets admitting and offering corrections about things that they got wrong um, over the last administration. So as you said, we want the media to be fair and tough on any administration. So we'll continue to watch. Kelly McEnany, the book is for such a time as this, my faith journey through the White House and beyond out December 7th. Um, it is a fascinating read. It's entertaining. And you just get a better insight into um, Kaylee's life, into the White House and the Trump administration, and really um, the thread of faith that runs through all of this. Uh, it, and it can be an encouragement, I think, at the end of the day, um, bottom line from this story. Kaylee, thanks for making time for us. Great to have you on Live in the Bream. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon.
Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.